everyone uh, welcome to now we're talking this is a podcast about communication skills and i'm rob danish a professor of communication studies at the university of waterloo so in our last episode we were talking about the difference between push tactics of persuasion and pull tactics of persuasion and today uh, in this episode uh, i want to get back to that distinction Uh, Because it's going to help us to understand one of the central practices of good leadership. And um, in my view, leadership is just as much about asking good questions as it is about telling people what to do. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about the difference between leading by asking and leading by telling. So... um, let me start with a short little anecdote. So I was walking uh, my dog near the Humber River here in Toronto, and there's a big kind of park along the Humber River. And someone on their bicycle, there's a bicycle path there also, came up to me and told me that I really needed to keep my dog on leash at all times. And at the time, I had taken the dog off the leash so he could he could run around. So I said back, you know, um, I know it's a rule, but my dog is really well behaved, and he's really used to walking without the leash, and he'll, he, you know, he's fine. He's not going to hurt anyone. And the person got kind of mad. He shot back at me. He's like, you know, that your dog could get killed by a bicyclist or could hurt someone else. And then the bicyclist kind of rode away. And I'm using this example not because I'm troubled by the substance of what the person suggested. That person was actually right. There's signs everywhere that told me to keep the dog on a leash. But it was the tone of the person's directive that really bothered me. I think the tone came from an attitude that I'll call the telling attitude, and a telling attitude is essentially a push tactic of persuasion. This person went out of his way, literally stopped his bicycle ride, got off of his bicycle, went out of his way to tell me what he thought. Some leaders, lots of leaders in fact, have a propensity to tell uh, others what to do. They tell them what's important, they tell them how to do something, and each time a leader uses a telling strategy, he might, he or she might make further conversation awkward. So as you can imagine, I didn't have much to say to the person on the bicycle. And this is also a problem. And it's a problem, especially because as I've said kind of several times in this podcast, and I'm always telling my students, communication is about relationality. Um, So the relationships that get formed through telling carry with them a risk. And that risk is that you're going to turn the relationship to a kind of dynamic that is, um, I'll put unhelpful for the time being. So a good leader knows that we can often do more through asking questions than we can do by telling others what to do. Because good questions can help build positive relationships in ways that telling can't. Um, That's because good questions show a recognition that others might have valuable knowledge that we would benefit from. And when we show others that this kind of interest, we're able to build relationships that are based on mutual respect. And it was clear that the bicyclist in this instance had no respect for me or for my dog, and he had no interest in me, in fact. His only interest was in telling me what he thought was true. My fear is that culturally, at least in North America, we're more inclined to value telling over asking. 
And so therefore, one step for a leader is to recognize the value of asking questions and to create opportunities to replace telling with asking. Now there's a problem, of course, not all questions are equal. The kind of questions that I think are most valuable are what Edgar Schein calls humble inquiry. Edgar Schein wrote a, a very famous book on organizational culture. Um, Schein was a professor at MIT, um, and he wrote this book toward the end of his career called Humble Inquiry that I think everybody should read. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's a short little thing, but it's, I think, essential for any leader to read that book. Uh, Schein calls humble inquiry the kinds of questions that draw someone out into a conversation. So one characteristic of that kind of question is that the person asking the question doesn't know the answer to the question. That ensures that the relationship that gets built is based on curiosity and interest and not on, um, on utility or, or something more nefarious. So if you're asking, if you're in a leadership position and you're asking someone else a question, and you already know the answer to the question, then forget it. It's not a form of humble inquiry. You have to ask the other person a question that you don't know the answer to. To develop good relationships and reliable, honest communication between and across hierarchical boundaries. So now we're talking about leaders that are inside institutions that ha and the, the person in the position, uh, the leadership position has a different kind of power or a different amount of power than someone else. Uh, we need to ask the kinds of questions that manifest our interest in those that are not in the same position that we're in. Uh, so if you take, for example, the Challenger disaster, uh, so the, the, the NASA spaceship that exploded in the 1980s, uh, what happened was that lower ranking employees had information that was really important to decision making, but the information wasn't communicated effectively. That's because the leaders didn't ask good questions. And if you're able to create a climate where people feel safe and comfortable bringing up difficult issues, um, it's usually a matter of a leader's ability to ask good questions that creates that climate to begin with. So people feel respected and uh, they feel a kind of, that a kind of relationship exists where they're permitted to bring difficult information up in the course of a conversation. So that's one of the things that asking questions that you don't know the answer to gets you. That's one of the effects of the outcomes of that kind of question. Now, building relationships is of course a complex process and the mistakes we make in conversation are often a reflection of our confusion about how to balance asking and telling. Uh, and they're also a product of our bias toward telling. And so we, we have a bias to telling and then we don't know how to ask. And that means we make mistakes in conversations. The missing ingredient in my view in many conversations is curiosity. And we can overlook how important curiosity is um, in developing a good relationship. So. Uh, and leaders especially overlook this um, as an important characteristic of their leadership practices. And we demonstrate curiosity by asking questions that we don't already know the answer to. And uh, we also build trust in, uh, we build kinds of trusting relationships because um, we're able to um, be drawn closer to a person through that question. So in the last episode, I was talking about push tactics of persuasion and pull tactics of persuasion. Here I mean uh, both literally and uh, figuratively, when you push someone, obviously you put your hands on your chest and you move them away from you. And when you pull someone, you're, you're drawing them closer. And so humble inquiry or the, or the act of asking a person a question that you don't know the answer to is a way of pulling them closer to you. And once they're closer to you, they will have a different sense, a uh, different kind of relationship to you. And they'll be differently able to follow you if you're in a leadership position. Uh, so, okay, the act of asking 
that kind of question temporarily empowers the other person in a conversation, and it makes the leader actually vulnerable. That's because the leader has implied that the other person knows something that the leader doesn't know and draws the other person into a position of agency in that situation. A conversation that leads to a relationship has to be balanced and equitable, and so a leader needs to invest something into forming that relationship and does so by putting themselves in a vulnerable position. That investment is usually made in terms of attention, and by asking a good question, a leader shows that they're prepared to listen and that they've invested in the conversation. That's when trust builds between the, the parties, between the leader and the follower, because the leader's made himself, herself, or himself or herself vulnerable, and the other person sees himself or herself as having something of value to contribute to the leader's worldview. So leaders that make themselves inferior to others in this situation, uh, and that's why we call it humble inquiry. Hum like to be humble is to sort of be below or beneath someone else. And um, so, so what that means is that a good leader practices humble inquiry by building a relationship based on curiosity and interest in the other person, and by giving agency over to that other person and by, by combining those th two things, that this having curiosity and interest in the other, and then giving that other person agency, that has the effect of building trust. So um, I'm often in, in positions where people say, okay, trust is really important. Um, we wanna have trusting relationships, we wanna trust the person in the position of power, et cetera. So the question for a communication scholar is, how do you build trust? What are the kinds of communication practices that will produce the result of trust? Here we go, humble inquiry is a central such practice. It's a pull tactic of persuasion and it builds trust between people by demonstrating that curiosity and interest in the other and by giving them agency. Um, so how do I do it? How do I engage in humble inquiry? Uh, the other day in class, uh, a student of mine, um, his phone rang and it was a weird ringtone. It was, to me, I had never heard it. It was some sort of song um, that I had not heard. And it was the Kim Possible theme song. Now, I don't know anything about Kim Possible, uh, and in that, but in that moment, I had a choice in front of me. I could ignore the, the ringtone and get back to class. I could yell at the student for interrupting and tell him how rude he was being. Or I could choose that moment as a way to draw the student into a relationship through humble inquiry. So a series of humble questions could include asking the student about why he chose the ringtone, what that show meant to him, um, what the show meant to the others in my class, and I'd have to demonstrate a genuine curiosity about the show, and I would have had to ask my students to tell me what was meaningful about the show more generally. And this is in fact what happened. I had never heard of this show. Uh, I didn't know anything about it. The ringtone was weird. I said, oh, that's a weird ringtone. What is that? And I didn't, so I don't know the answer to it. I'm curious. And the kid says, it's the theme song to Kim Possible. And I was like, oh, Kim Possible. I've never heard of that. What is it? Tell, can you tell me more about it? And we took about five minutes to, in class to explore what this was, uh, why the show was so meaningful to them, and it turned out that everyone else in the class knew the ringtone, everyone else in the class had seen the show. Um, and this was a moment um, for me to build trust uh, with my students, to gain their trust by me showing that I had some interest in their lives and what mattered to them. Now, teachers all the time ask, well, how can I get my students to pay better attention? How can I improve their learning in the classroom? Well, one thing we know is, of course, if students trust the teacher, they're more likely to listen, pay attention, show up, uh, do their work, their improved outcomes across the board. So how do you get them to trust the teacher? Well, the teacher has to show curiosity in those students and has to be humble in, in relationship to them and give them some agency in demonstrating their own experience of the world. 
Um, here's another kind of brief example. I get asked directions. I, I get asked for directions a lot. And recently someone on my street stopped in front of my house and asked me how to get on the expressway. I could have told them the answer in the moment, but I didn't. Instead, I asked him where he was going. Um, and he told me he was going to the convention center. Well, the expressway wouldn't have helped him get there, so I gave him a different set of directions. This is as simple of an example as I can think of, but it demonstrates how asking instead of telling um, can, and asking with a sense of curiosity can transform the communicative interaction. Good questions are open-ended, they empower others, and they get at why. They're generative of curiosity. Those are the kinds of questions that a good leader knows how to ask. And those are indicative of pull tactics of persuasion. How they translate into persuasion, we can get into it at some other kind of moment. Um, but I wanna go a little further now and talk about developing humble inquiry into a more strategic small group communication skill. So, the, so okay, first thing that leaders do is they, they engage in humble inquiry to build trust. Second thing that they do is they use the art of asking questions to do what I call catalyzing effective conversations. So they spur effective conversations. Leadership is often a matter of working in large professional bureaucratic institutions. Lots of my students will end up in those institutions. I work at a university. It's got five faculties. Um, I think there's something like 1,500 professors or, or full-time faculty. They have different ranks. There's graduate students, there's undergraduate students, there's administrators, there's staff. So there's a giant mix of people in an organized hierarchy with different roles and responsibilities. Right now I'm chair of my department and I've got, I think, uh, 23 or 24 faculty members, five staff. Uh, and that means that I call department meetings, but I sit on other committees with other chairs, etc. So I'm in this institutional space and that means lots of meetings. I confess, I don't find many of these meetings, I, I find most of them boring. They're not useful. Uh, a lot of them are only mildly productive. That's not because of any one person in the meetings, but it's mostly because of the structural organization of the meetings themselves. So the question I'm always thinking to myself is, what if the meetings we had uh, were exciting, exhilarating, and impactful for everyone in the room? I call those conversations deliberations. Now, one thing a leader is able to do is catalyze effective deliberative moments in which the participants are impacted by the quality of the conversation. Those kinds of moments don't happen in a meeting or any kind of, don't just happen in a meeting uh, or formal setting. They might happen anywhere, in workshops, uh, in the hallway, uh, but in any setting, the kind of structure they have is the same. So one question we can ask is, after you practice humble inquiry, how can a leader catalyze an effective conversation? So let's start by talking about what the word catalyze means. That means to cause an action or process to start. I use that word because leaders can't and shouldn't be primarily focused on the end of a process. So if you focus on the beginning instead, the leader leaves himself or herself open to different possible outcomes. So just like humble inquiry, you don't know where it will end. You don't know what the answer will be. That communicates trust and interest in others, just like humble inquiry did. Uh, a good leader also recognizes that the structure of the process will impact the outcome. So that structure has to, ha has to have a clear purpose. It has to engage multiple perspectives. It has to frame issues and questions effectively. It has to set a scene. It has to construct an experience for the participants. Those are the features of an impactful deliberative conversation. The purpose of any conversation should be well understood and the emphasis ought to be on advancing that purpose. Um, so the leader is really framing the issues effectively, asking questions 
um, that frame that issue effectively and sort of setting the scene and constructing the experience so that people feel valued inside it. So think, for example, um, about the physical environment that supports a conversation. So a leader might purposefully or strategically arrange that environment in a way that supports individuals participating. Um, I used to, when I used to teach a large lecture course, I would play music while the students were coming in in the few minutes before class. I'd try and play something upbeat or, um, you know, not, not sort of sad and slow, but with a little energy because I wanted the students to have a little energy when we started the conversation. There I'm using nonverbal priming to sort of catalyze the moment of the class. Um, so I, I need, in any case, I'm, I'm always thinking about the experience that other people are having inside that conversation. Um, and what I can do if, if I'm in the leadership position to effectively arrange that conversation uh, so that the other people involved in it have a good experience and without my predetermining the outcome of the conversation. That requires a degree of humbleness and it requires me to ask a set of, a set of questions that will get others engaged with one another in that kind of small group setting. Um, so the ability to catalyze conversations, just like the ability to ask humble questions, sort of, again, this is a pull tactic of persuasion, sort of draws people closer to one another and to the person in the leadership position. You're pulling people into an environment or experience and that will change them. It will transform them. They'll have a different set of trust in your judgment and in your position. Um, and they'll feel affectively different about their um, relationship to you and, and others. And again, I've been saying for in each of the episodes, communication is more a matter of the effect that you have than the transmission of information. The practice of telling someone something is a practice of transmitting information from, from the person doing the telling to the person listening. So usually people that privilege telling over asking are people that only think about communication as transmission of information and don't really think about communication as the effect that they have on others. People that practice humble inquiry and people that are good at catalyzing conversations are always thinking about the effects that experiences have on other people. And instead of just the transmission of information, they're worried about leadership from an effects perspective and not a transmission perspective, which is why they practice pull techniques of persuasion instead of push tactics, techniques of, of persuasion. Um, okay, so that's our, our lesson for today. If you're in a leadership position or you aspire to be in a leadership position, effective leaders build trust through humble inquiry and through catalyzing conversations. Those are two things that you can, you can get going on immediately um, and they should improve the quality of, of your ability to lead and you won't be just telling people what to do, which sometimes can cause defensiveness or animosity, etc. Uh, okay, so thanks everyone for listening. We're gonna keep going with um, a couple more pull tactics of persuasion. Uh, next week as well. Thanks.